Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. Fern and I are going to dive into all things equipment, whether you're outfitting a new box, you're thinking about new equipment for your current affiliate, or you're just getting your garage set up. We talk about what equipment is mandatory, what equipment would be nice, and what equipment you should avoid. So we're going to dive into all of that on today's episode, and be sure to check out the website, besthouroftheirday.com, where you can download 50 questions to ask at the whiteboard, check out all of the book recommendations from our guests, and a whole lot more. That's besthouroftheirday.com. Thanks again for listening. Here's today's episode. All right, Fern. CrossFit doesn't come with a manual, meaning, you know, they don't tell us what equipment to buy. And I know back in the day, 2007, Rogue wasn't around, which, by the way, that's a pretty amazing story, Rogue Fitness. Yeah, we need to get Bill and Katie on the show, by the way. Is that the best and biggest business that's ever come? If not, I mean, for sure, within CrossFit, like that's not even a question. Is Rogue bigger than CrossFit? It's got to be. I mean, I suppose depending on what metric you're using, right? But whether I mean, it's fine- I, would, I would imagine based on based on revenue, I, it's got to be. I think I think Rogue is in. I think Rogue is something to the tune of five hundred million. It's amazing. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're just like, oh, this and that, it's like Bill Henniger started Rogue Fitness. You can find it online somewhere by building rings and a platform on his driveway. I, so funny story. I was at uh, the Two Brain Business Summit this past weekend, and I was sitting at a table, and a guy came up to me, and he was like, "You look familiar." And he goes, "I'm pretty sure I judged you at the 2009 regionals out in the grass in Ohio." And I was like, "I was definitely there, dude." And that was that was like Rogue's first event, and I mean, and it was, I mean, the event was. You know, it was circa 2009. It was nothing special. It was literally on a farm, but that was where they started. And to grow to what they've done, taking on no debt is like the most incredible story you're ever going to hear. By the way, can we just say what a humble brag you just did? Oh, by the way, I'm a regional athlete. I mean, you want me to brag brag? (laughs) I I won't even humble brag. In 2012, I beat Ben Smith. And this is my coaches love it because they give me shit about this because I bring it up just to aggravate them. (laughs) It actually actually means nothing. I did beat Ben Smith in an event in 2012 regionals. So you were multi-year. If you said you went in 2009, did you go 10? I wasn't. I qualified 9 through 12, got injured in 13. And then... um, and, but one year I didn't compete because of the Navy. Like I, I literally I physically could not make the event. That begs the question though, what happened? What happened to you? Uh, well, I mean, I did have an, I ruptured my Achilles, but <laughs> uh, you know, I got old basically and the field passed me up. Yeah. You're still, you're still pretty fit. I'm fitter than you. Which you is are. That yeah. That's, that's my uh, gauge for pretty fit. Like if you can beat me. Um, yeah. But you know, Rogue Fitness, I'll throw on like a documentary on Netflix, like the Eddie Hall one. And it's like, Rogue's the one putting out all the equipment, Bill shaking hands with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just, you know, to me, it's more like 
look what you can do in this world. It's pretty freaking amazing. Yeah, and they just became a sponsor for USAW, like officially. Yeah, I mean, they're the go-to. Their IWF certification, so. You know, I had we had uh, John Gilson on Monday. Do you remember those videos of Gilson and Henniger out? I watched in, them all. Yeah, the, you know, Austin was there back. Austin was an, again, faster athlete. I remember he came back to the box when he was coaching for me. Gives me, like, a bunch of T-shirts. You know, I thought it was the coolest thing. It was before, you know, you're getting all these T-shirts thrown at you. And um, Do you remember it, the video in the journal? I, I think it was the, again, faster team and the – was it Innovate or was it Rogue? It, well, I think – I don't know what video you're talking about, but they had the whole – competition was again faster versus rogue was it rogue okay yeah, yeah like out in the mountains somewhere yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah. okay probably find them online but anyway yeah. we're talking about rogue fitness because today's episode is going to be about what equipment you should buy for the box now obviously there's some that go without saying right you need some pull-up space you need a barbell you need some bumpers ideally what else a handful of kettlebells wall ball some rings maybe a rower or two, you know, you need the the basics, but then we can kind of get into the nuancey stuff of all this little, you know, secondary auxiliary supplementary equipment. And we're going to dive into it. We both, you know, together we've owned six gyms, you know, seven, if you include my yoga studio, which all you had to do is buy mats and blocks, but uh, <laughs> not a whole, you know, a couple of those little smelly carpets too. So let, let, let's dive into these, but is there any equipment that you think, hey, this is a mandatory piece that someone wouldn't think of? If I was to go back and do it again, I would have far more dumbbells than what I started with. Now, so, so let's talk about dumbbells first then. You know, this wasn't on our list because I do believe boxes should have dumbbells for scaling. Obviously, it comes up in the open these days. How would you lay out dumbbells for the box? Not like where would you put them, but someone's, you know, either starting a new box or they have a current box with no dumbbells, what, what advice would you give them? There would be large argument in my mind that you would get dumbbells before barbells. That's a pretty brash statement. Uh, yeah. But again, I have the, I have the good fortune of hindsight at this point, but hear me out on this one. I'm not saying you shouldn't get barbells, but if you're limited on a budget, a they're cheaper right out of the gate. B, they take up less space. So if you have a smaller space, less footprint per athlete. And then C, I can do everything with a dumbbell that I can do with a barbell. You don't, you don't lose any capacity with the exception of loading. So maybe not everything, but like you don't have to get as heavy with dumbbells as you do with the barbell to, to get the same stimulus. Right, I mean, if you're moving more than a 70 pound dumbbell, I don't know what movement you're, you know, aside you're from it. Yeah, I mean, aside you're from fit. Yeah, yes. you're fit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and that way um, you can kind of really baby step people into it. Um, it's far less intimidating. Uh, so, you're, if, you're new, if you're a new coach, you like it's, it's probably a better option to be, to be very frank. Okay. I, I'm, you know, so let me, let me uh, counter all three of your statements. Cheaper. Is it cheaper, you know, so let's say a barbell, let's put it at 200. I know that maybe that's a little low. A set of, you know, typically for dumbbells, you're paying about a dollar a pound for the rubber head ones, right? 
Uh, two dollars a pound, probably. All right, so two fifties. You're talking what? Two hundred dollars? Are you saying? Um. Well, here, let's look it up. Let's. Okay. Well, while you're looking up the yeah. cost of that, you know, sure, it might be cheaper for a set, but then the argument would be, how many sets do I need to replicate what you could do with a barbell and bumpers? I mean, as many barbells as you were going to buy, right? So. Well, like my point set. is. For, for me, with a barbell, I can load it to empty all the way up to, you know, 315 if I want. Where with the dumbbell, it's 35s, it's 50s. Yeah, but what you're not factoring in uh, there is I need more than just a barbell, right? So a barbell is not the only cost involved there. Right, I, need, the I, need, I need the weights to go with it. So, like, let's say I'm going to have a, for instance, a 135-pound barbell, which would be equivalent of a 60 you know probably a pair of 50s realistically 50s yeah. to 65 pound dumbbells um that 135 pound barbell and i'm talking about like the barbell with, with the, the weights is probably 500 bucks okay that's that's a fair point that's a fair point is side topic what's the what do you think is the ratio of dumbbell weight to barbell weight in other Ooh. words fran's 95 pounds you go 45s you go 50s no it's definitely not straight across it's not a one-to-one -one. it's yeah. probably something to the tune of 75 percent like I, yeah you ever yeah. do fran with dumbbells at 50s it will wreck your life it's, it's soul crushing so much harder i you know say the same thing about being cheaper i would say about space it's it's relative right so surely a barbell and 245s take up a little more space than one set of dumbbells. But I guess my question with dumbbells is, and again, maybe the broader question would be, what would you get for a box then? Because, you know, I, in my garage, for example, we have a set of 25s, 35s, and 50s. Mm -hmm. and, and for the most part, that does do the trick for just about everything I need to do if I'm substituting a barbell, you know, if the workout calls for dumbbells, once in a while, I'll need a 70 that I don't have. You know, if it's yeah. a heavy snatch or something. So, so the ba so the basics, right? So like you need barbells, you need bumpers. I don't think you need to go crazy on weight. Um, you need enough to probably make like one barbell get to 400 pounds. But outside of that, like you probably just want enough weight to get some heavier Metcons. You know, if you go back to our, last, our previous episode about heavy days, you can get people strong without really, really loading people. And if you're new, it's a new box. Maybe you don't need to be going super heavy anyway. But um, a safe bet as far as like what you should get is figure out the equipment you're going to get and we'll go through some items, but probably half of the equipment based on the anticipated class size. So if you're, if you're anticipating running classes of 10, you need five of everything. That's exactly what I did for my last box. It was like, I want classes of 16 and I had eight of everything because you're always going to have a mix of gender, a mix of scaling, and you can always find a smart way of altering you can start you can okay. alternate yeah you can do a bunch of different stuff okay so let's dive into some more of the like i said auxiliary type equipment okay um jerk blocks this no. was <laughs> so that's just a straight up no this was huge probably seven years ago seven years ago everyone was online building them from wood i mean we had multiple members build them for us because they just wanted to, they were heavy. They took up a shit ton of space. You know, if if you were short like me, 
trying to adjust the height after somebody else. It was a, you pinch your fingers in the blocks. What, what other reasons should you not have jerk blocks at your facility? God, let, let me list the ways. So it, this is funny because I started a YouTube channel like three years ago and it's called Jerk Block Talk. And it is, it is literally soup to nuts of things to going on in affiliate from admin to leadership to coaching. So uh, if you want to go check it out, there's probably 140 episodes on there. The, I named it Jerk Block Talk because the jerk blocks, they're not now, oddly enough, right? So they're not now. I have four maybe five sets of jerk blocks in our gym. They get used that, every single day. That's but, a lot. Well, but we have a, we have a full-time weightlifting coach and like 50 weightlifters at our gym, right? So that we have a dedicated space for weightlifters and that is generally in somebody's programming every day and they squat off of their, they do overhead work off of their, but for the longest time, it was just a, a they were just stands for people to put their shaker bottles on or drink. Everybody would lean on them and drink coffee. Like they never got used. So, um, but anyway, so that's the first thing is they get, they get, little to no use in the average gym and they're real estate monsters. Like they take up an incredible square footage in the gym that cannot be used for anything else when they're there. And, and they're not easy to move. Yeah. They're, you know, and, and, and they've made some better ones that roll that adjust like the metal ones that are pins. But I think the biggest takeaway that you said is they're real estate monsters and the truth is most people don't need to use them. No, like if the, like weight, my weightlifters do because they're slinging big weights. Like I don't, like they don't need to re-rack it. Like that's not the point, but like most people don't need it. And even the ones that are newer now with the pens and all that stuff, they're still like 214 pounds a piece. Like you're not, you're not like moving them by yourself efficiently, you right. know? So, and, and I think for a lot of any, if you know, if you're thinking what equipment should I buy, would you agree that, the, the biggest reference you should use is, do you have enough to use it in class? Um, yes. And then everything else should be maybe singles, right? So think what's it, what's the, what are the typical things you're going to use in a, in a classroom, a barbell, some bumper plates, a wall ball, dumbbells, kettlebells. I mean, you can do an incredible amount of programming with just those things. Yeah. I mean, do you need, you know, rowers, maybe some ropes, et cetera. And we'll dive into some of those, but right. If, if, in other words, if you only have one or two, it's gotta be, you know, super specific, but it needs to be something you still are willing to educate your members on or else it's going to sit in the corner and jerk blocks become those. Like if you're listening, think about the bulk of your members. Are they going to spend time using jerk blocks and, evaluate could that money be spent better and really do you want it taking up what 10 square feet uh, you, you know by the time you yeah. separate them and probably yeah yeah probably so, yeah so some of that other stuff like rowers and bikes you know what i would tell most people is is one so if you're starting off get one because you're going to want those for scaling options for people that can't run or do something like that but they're probably not going to be in your programming for quite some time until you have the demand or you have the space to add additional ones. So let's move on. What's next on our list? Uh, I mean, we could go boxes. So what's your, what's your opinion on boxes these days? I, you know, when I started, I bought a set of the metal ones. It was like maybe elite FTS, whatever magazine I was using back then before Probably. Rogue. 
All they, Dave Tate stuff. Yeah, they stacked on top of each other. People were destroying their shins because they, 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 they had hair all around the edges. Oh yeah, that's that's very sanitary. Um, did, <laughs> did you did you have a MRSA outbreak at your gym too? You know, luckily we never did, but I've seen that at other boxes, primarily from the ropes. From the ropes, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, the so I I think you should have some boxes in there, but again, that's one of those things that you can do some makeshift things for at the beginning. You can stack plates, you can jump over barbells, you can get the jumping in there. Um, Would you in other ways? So when once you know row came about and the boxes grew, I transitioned to uh, all box, oh you know all wooden boxes, and then eventually they made the three sided box, and I had a you know pain in the ass to move. And then at one point at Albany CrossFit, it was probably the sixth or seventh person that really destroyed their shin. Like go to the hospital, get you know they have that like V scar on their ankle or their 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 shin bone. And I was like, I'm getting rid of all boxes and going soft boxes. So that's ideal. However, that's probably not financially feasible for most people. I think those things are 220 bucks a whack or something like that. They're, they're so, more expensive. Now they make the three-sided ones. So it's a so little they make bit- the three-sided ones or they're like stackable. They're not three-sided anymore, I don't think, but they're, they can, that you can add right. length to them. So no, so that's ideal, right? At the end of the day, like you want, you would want to probably end up with those just to prevent injury. But again, that their cost, there's a, they're cost prohibitive, meaning like not everybody can afford to, to drop 250 bucks for one box. But then it you know, begs the question, cost or safety? Because you can be safe without having to spend that money on the front end. You know, be careful with the volume of box jumps that you, that you program don't let people rebound until, you know, they're at a pretty high level, uh, encourage people to do step ups, you know, like there, there's other ways to navigate that. Careful what you program box jumps with. I was at a box yeah. and they did like, it was such a high volume of front squats and box jumps and like three people on the same day destroyed their, their legs. And it's like, well, no wonder. You're yeah. It's, just, pretty, you know, it's pretty redundant. Yeah. Which is what you need to do, but you know, like pay attention to your programming and what the result of the programming is. What about foam rollers? What role do that do those play at the box? Uh, I think they're great. We have we have like the big gun racks at our gym of the foam rollers. So I think I've got eighteen of them. Uh, so they're great. We use them most days after a class. But if you're again, if you're starting a gym, maybe just have people get their own foam roller. Have one or two so that you can teach people how to use it, and then have them invest the thirty five bucks to get their own until you can afford to get like a full set. Yeah, I mean, we had that as well. I think we had built kind of the gun rack thing before they were selling them out of wood. And they're useful. Most boxes have way more foam rollers than they need. That's one thing I've seen. Like you'll order the dozen or the 12 pack and maybe one or two gets used at the at the same time. We only do it now because when we do the cool down at the end of the class, like we tell everybody to get one. So like everybody has their own. So again, goes back to what we said earlier, have enough for class or don't have any at all. And I think there's a handful of pieces of equipment that if you're doing CrossFit, if you're committed, if this is your hobby and passion, you should have obviously a good pair of shoes, whatever company you support, a foam roller at home would be great. If not, you know, these day and age, everybody's got either a hypervolt or they make their own out of a jigsaw. 
but you have a piece of kind of mobility and recovery equipment. And then also, you know, onto the next one, jump rope. This is one, it's incredibly convenient if you have sets. So we, we have like the full sets from uh, RX gear. So the set of 20 that's like color coded and all that stuff. That hangs most, on the wall. You put the handle yep. on the wall type of thing. Yep. Yep. But most gyms that I go to, the jump rope contraption, we'll call it, that, that carries all the, the jump ropes should just be thrown in the trash. You know, like either. So that's one for me. It's either either spend the money or don't. Like that's one that for me, that's a very like do it or don't. But don't go in the middle because it's a nightmare. People time in knots. They don't know where to hang them. You can't tell what size the ropes are. Uh, I think a full set from RX Gear is probably, I think it's like 400 bucks, but it's 20 ropes and you're probably never gonna need 20 ropes in a class because there's gonna be some portion of your members that have their own, probably close to 50% that have their own rope. Yeah, and you have to be aware, our box has the same one and I'm kind of right in the middle between the small and the medium. So neither rope really works for me. So I think it's important. That's the one thing I tell people pretty early on, like, hey, if you're going to be involved in this, go on, go to Rogue, buy yourself a rope and have it in your bag. Because Yeah, it's definitely a piece of gear where I'm like, get your own, but we have them to facilitate a class. Yeah, we, over the years, I spent hundreds of dollars on ropes. And like you said, if you're not going to organize them, they get tangled, they get broken, they get taken home. Yeah, yeah. either, either... Don't do it or, or spend the money and do it right. Yeah, I, I, that's that's one that I, I'm not on the fence on at all. I'm like, unless you're completely prepared to spend the four to five hundred bucks, then don't do it. Don't well, be like getting ropes. What's another one you? What's one you are on the fence on that you're like, ah, there's a debate about whether or not to do it. Um, probably the the strongman bags that Rogue makes, like the D balls, like the heavy D balls. The, the ones like they used at the games and the cheese curd ones that are soft. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your philosophy on those? I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of odd objects, right? It's a different capacity. So we can lump a lot of things into this strongman category, be it yeah. bags, stones, axles. I think the bags, if you're going to go strongman, like that's probably your, your best bet. You know, their rogue makes them fairly cheap. Sand is super cheap. Yeah. You, know, you get bags of sand for two bucks. Or just go to um, the beach. Or just go to the beach and steal. The uh, there's a lot of value there. And you can and you can load them in a in a a plethora of weights, right? So I think we have everything from 30, I think we have 30, 60, 80, 100, 150. And so now that we program them fairly, fairly regularly, like I know we need more 60s. I know we need a couple more 80s and I need something between 100 and 150. And you have enough that you're using them in class. I, we have 15. Oh, wow. So yeah, you, now again, the challenge with a lot of these equipment from the bags to dumbbells is you, it's harder to scale because if somebody, for example, 150 is heavy for me. I can move it, but if it's in a Metcon, it's going to be slow, but 100 is light. Yep. But there's nothing in between. So that's well, the challenge. Well, there is, right? So those bags, I don't have to fill the 150 to 150. But I another, can, it's not as simple, I should say, as adjusting a barbell. No, no, not at all. Like you're going to have to do a little bit of work. Now, and if you're going to start using those in class, what you do is you start 
you start putting those in into like some of the cash out work where if I only have five, I start slowly teaching people how to use them as I build up the supply to put it in a class. That way, when I do have all of them, it's not everybody's first time touching it. You know, that's a really good point for a lot of this equipment where we're saying, hey, one or two just to have there be it for scaling. You know, we'll talk about a couple of the things here. We're not saying don't program it, but maybe you can't accommodate an entire class. But now, you know, you have, say you have a 20-person class and, you know, your sandbags are what they are. Hey, guys, get in groups of three and accumulate 150, you know, over the shoulders or whatever yeah. it is. So you're, you're, you're giving them that dose. You're acclimating them to this piece of equipment. And I, I do agree with you. You know, we had stones. Those things hurt your body. They, you know, chafe up your arms. And they bust up the floors. These and somebody can drop one on their foot. Ex I've seen that. And the bags are basically accomplishing the same thing. And it's far more real, real world. You know, you're going to pick up something that moves a little bit, that has some give. It's, it's a great functional piece of equipment. And like you said, depending on where you live, it can be super cheap. If you just head over to the beach, grab some sand, fill them up. Or like you said, Home Depot's got bags of sand. Super cheap. Um, so, but I do love them. And it's, it's another way to add some variance in there. And it's just a different capacity, like moving 150 pound sandbag is not at all like moving 150 pound barbell. No, significantly harder. All right, what do you think about this is this is one that we put it lap probably towards the end, because I think this is one the biggest one. What about G the GHD? I think you need to have a GHD in your box. I think it's, you know, I was at uh I forget what it was. Coach Glassman was on tour doing these talks and somebody asked him, it's like 2008 about the GHD and said, we can't afford one for the box. And coach Glassman goes, I'm going to buy one for your box. Just right there on the spot. Like that's the kind of guy he is. And he believes in it. And you know, then I wanted to raise my hand and be like, we can't afford one either. <laughs> but I mean, you know, talking about John Gilson earlier, I bought six at one point from again, faster They, you know, they made, not all of their equipment was great, but their GHDs were fine. They were sturdy, and they're still the ones I enjoy. But I think, like we said about jerk blocks, they take up a ton of real estate, but they're vital to developing an athlete, to you know, helping an athlete develop midline stabilization, get stronger. I think every box should have at least one. Ideally, I would say, depending on the size of your box, ideally to program it into some of a cash out type stuff or auxiliary work but be coaching that be coaching that we had um i'll let you go ahead you you say what you were gonna say no so like if you if you're wondering like like how many you should get if you are under 100 members one so i would tell you so here's a real easy like you need one for every 100 members you think that's some a, are, that's some people are gonna laugh at that. yeah yeah some people are gonna laugh at that but like the reality is you really don't like even if you have a pretty big gym, the vast majority of your athletes probably don't need to be doing that in a workout. They could do another variation like a weighted sit-up or something like that. Um, and even in those scenarios where you do have it, there's, there's creative ways to get people on the GHD. You know, have them start at different movements. You know, stagger start the class. Just have them alternate rounds. One round you're going to do GHD sit-up. The next round you're going to do weighted sit-ups. And they still, everybody gets a little bit of dose and it's first come, first serve. But I've rarely had, we have two and we have um, over 200 members and, and probably in, the, in our main facility and then probably 150 of those are 
CrossFitters, and I've never had an issue with two. You know, and we have one at our box that I coach at, and they probably have nearly 200 members. And, you know, no one really touches it. They don't program, you know, so say the Filthy 50s come up, which has back extensions, I think, or forget if it's hip or back. But either way, you know, we don't really program those in. Maybe we'll see Supermans or, you know, if, if I'm in the class and someone else is in the class that knows how to use it, you're right. We'll stagger. And by the time one of us gets there, we'll just make sure we're, we're out of the way. But the importance of it, I have one in my garage. I mean, I think you can't devalue the importance of that. But like I said earlier, if you have one, you need to know how to use it well. If you don't remember what we taught you at your level one, you know, go research because out of anything I've seen over the years, the GHD has put out the most cases of rhabdo that I've been involved in. I would say for me, my experience is probably 50-50 between GHD and, and pull-ups. Yeah. I, 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 a box down the road that I'm friends with, they did Nicole recently. Three oh, members got rhabdo. I got it a couple of years ago during the, during the Tosh mashup. From Nicole? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean severe, like I could barely, I couldn't extend, I could not do a pull up for North of 60 days and I didn't extend my arm for three weeks. That's one of those examples of coach Glassman came up with a great workout, not realizing how fit people would become. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I did, uh, I think, I think, uh, Justin Virgil and I were one and two, I think we were like a couple pull-ups apart, but it was, it was almost 200 pull-ups. Yeah. I, mean, I, had, I had over 180 pull-ups. I think it was in like right at 190. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a great runner and you don't really need to be to do that workout. Cause I would just probably get sets of 30 or 45 times. And that's too many yeah. pull-ups. That's yeah. Way too many. And then you run with your arm bent. It's just like it's terrible. <laughs> uh, so what about, what about weights, bumper weights? <clears throat> you know, interesting, interesting topic. Cause I was talking about Gilson and actually in the book, I, I, he says this to me at my level one and I write about it. He was like, Hey, there's never a need for 35s. 35 pound weights. Yeah. Bumper plates. I disagree. Well, this is back in 2007. Right. Okay. And I said, why? He's like, look at CrossFit. RX is always at the time, 95, 65, you know, and you can always adjust with tens beyond that. And metal tens are cheaper than bumper 35s right so you can always slap a metal 10 on there now and and even to this day you know we have some 35s at the box when was the last time you warmed up with 115 for any movement i do a lot now because i scale the shit out of some workouts (laughs) but i mean for the most part it's like with the exception of snatches for me my warm-up typically goes like barbell 135 that's fair uh, so like well you're, you're probably right like financially like if you if you've got enough change plates you probably don't need you probably don't need 35 but i'm just saying it's rare that even even if i had 35s that i would go just because i've been it's always been my life 45s right so yeah. it'd be rare that i would say all right let's go 115 for a warm-up set yeah that's fair you know, snatches i'll go 95 115 that just takes me a little longer to warm up but clean any type of squat Overhead, I'll go 95, then 135. Yeah, that's fair. What um, what kind of bumper plates, if you were going to start your box over right now, would you buy? So I would go either the high temps or 
the cheaper comp plates. So when we when I opened my third box, like I said, we wanted 16 person classes. We bought, you know, maybe I would have tweaked it a tiny bit. We did, and I and I did buy 35s in all fairness, because I bought eight full sets of the you know color-coded comp plates. Okay. And then I bought eight sets of fives and two and a halves and change. So basically there were eight sets. So if it was a heavy day, partner up, take your rack, you know, Got so it. you would get one barbell. You would I had every set of of bumpers on one wheelie thing. So I had eight of those. You could, get, like, you could get yeah, three something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, here's here's the trick with that. It's like not to be, you know, stereotypical about women, but typically the men would be moving more so they can grab some of the weight off of the women's tree if they needed it. That's that's fair. You know? that's and fair. you know, and ninety percent of the time, no one's going over three fifteen. It was unless it was deadlift or somebody had a really solid squat. But again, yeah. you know, the complaints are more expensive. Those things lasted. They, you know, you have to take care of them. The screws come loose in the middle, so you have to be aware of that. But they were the row complaints, and you know, it's it was pretty. That last box I opened, They're pretty. Yeah, we spend money on everything. I, I, my recommendation is high temp or nothing. Like, I mean, if you if you get to the point where you're like, I want some comp plates, then do it. But the high temps last forever. I mean, you can put so many drops on those things. Um, now, some people are like, hey, the ring comes out in the middle. And this is one that will probably be controversial, right? So talking about equipment. And so I've owned a box for more than 10 years. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Good collars save barbells and plates good collar so what so what collar would you recommend because i i'll agree with you and I'll, I'll add to that after you tell me the answer what what collar would you recommend so rogue bought oso or oso i don't even know how you say that but um yeah so rogues the i bought 30 pair of rogues the the nice ones i want to say they're like 60 bucks metal looking they're metal and they clamp down um, and you can get them in colors and stuff like that. But here's what I would tell you. The plates don't move on the barbell. But let me, let me ask you this, because this is an issue we've had at the box. The plates don't move, but they slowly grind out the middle of the bumper. So they solved that. Okay, they fixed it? Yeah, well, they, so they fixed it, right? Um, and so some of them have, well, yeah, so now they're different now. Some of the old ones did used to do that, but they, they're they're edged off so that they don't do that but they also made them where the inside you can buy like rubber lining for them so it's rubber on rubber that's cool yeah so it was yeah. basically grinding out that you know the middle ring and then they would fall out yeah but yeah so that I doesn't happen that doesn't happen anymore so we bought those and the ones that it's really important for it's not so important for the for the 45s or even the 25s and the 35s 10s and 15s it, it keeps the 10s and 15s in place so that they're not bending because it's not it's not the the collars it's they're dropping because they're loose and the plate bends right that's what that's what bends that ring off of there and ever since we bought those we the we're gonna get probably years off of uh added to our to our bumper plates because of that so it's one of those things spend a little more on the collars and it actually saves you money long term on the bumpers but now i will tell you from an affiliate owner that one is, that is a hard one to bite off on you're like listen i could just put these spring collars on here and do that uh, you know, but then you have to listen to basically, 
you know, some percentage of the dudes and all the females complain about not being strong enough to pinch them together and get them off the plates. <laughs> I, you know, and personally, there are workouts where I go for the spring collars, like if we're going to be adjusting weight in the workout, because they do move faster. You know, I can get it on and off faster. But you're, you're uh, not, you're not that fit that you need to worry about that. <laughs> That may be true. All right, let's burn through a couple more. Um, similar to the GHD, what are your thoughts on the reverse hyper? You don't need it. I mean, if you've got, if you got, if you are just looking to spend money, you got literally nothing else to do, then get one. It's a great rehab tool and it's really cool. But again, real estate monster, you don't need more than one. Uh, and virtually nobody's going to use it anyway. Like I've got one and it gets very little use. When I've had one and I had one in my garage in new york and then i had one at the box i used it every day however like you said i was probably the only one using it yeah i mean like again it, it can get used and it's a really good tool for some people most people are afraid of it they don't know what to do um yeah i think that's probably an underlying thing we we should say for all of these only by equipment that as a coach you feel comfortable coaching and you're going to teach your members how to use otherwise it's going to you know be the coffee table yeah. So the, my, my answer is no, you know, I don't, I don't, just don't really think you need one. Again, that's one of those ones. If you're just like, Hey, I've got money to spend and I got everything else I need. I'm like, okay, get a reverse hyper. And that probably wouldn't even be top of the list of like, of like what we would call novelty items that I would buy. Right. What about a skier? I love them. I've got 10, but you got 10 skiers at your box. How many rowers yeah. do you have? So we have 15, uh, 15 rowers, 11 bikes, and 10 skiers. What bikes do you use? I have a mix. I probably have, um, I want to say I've got seven or eight assault bikes and then um, three or four of the echo bikes. Which do you like better? The echo bike is going to last a lot longer. It's a better you bike. Know, it's going to last longer and it's quiet. That's it it is quieter. Buy. It's definitely quieter. You know, the, it, I don't know if the calories are exactly one-to-one, -one, but who cares? Well, for me, it's like I'll be coaching a class and someone's warming up or cooling down on the bike and it's drowning me out. In the, in yeah, the that's box. fair. The box that's just ordered three Echo Bikes. So I'm super excited yeah. to have those. Uh, but for, for most people, right, for most people, that's, that's, a, that's a really good tool. So this one and probably the, um, the Concept 2 bike, like just get one. It's a really good, yeah, it's a really good option for scaling, uh, particularly for people who are doing some rehab because the, the, the assault bike style bikes are, if I have somebody that has an arm injury or something like that, and all I want them to do is pedal, the regular, the assault bike is kind of annoying. So I might want to go with just a regular bike. Yeah. And I think, you know, one point we haven't made is while these aren't the people we should buy equipment for, everybody has a box that, you know, a couple people might compete at local competitions even, yeah. and you'll see this stuff. So it's nice for those members, you know, granted we're not, you know, buying this stuff for the douchey athletes that think they need to do their own thing. I'm saying, you know, you're, you're women that go do the local competition and there's going to be a skier. You want them to have the opportunity to practice before they get there. Yeah. Like a perfect example would be somebody for a skier who's got some sort of lower limb or lower extremity injury where like flexion at the knee or flexion or extension at the knee or ankle causes them pain or discomfort. Row, you can put them on the ski erg and now they can participate in the monostructural portion of the workout. Absolutely. All right. Last one. 
Fraction plates. No. No, not at all. This not this is this is for, a, for this is for practical reasons, not not because I don't think they have value. They never they will never find their home. Like they will always get lost. They'll always end up in the wrong spot. And does does somebody really need to add one pound? Like if you're just gonna add one pound, add five. I mean, come on. Like I agree with that in theory, but it is nice sometimes when you're like, you know, your members that have been coming in for three years, hey, throw those half pound plates on and hit a BR. You know. It, I think it, we need to talk about your warm-up. That's what I think we need to talk about. <laughs> well, it's it's certainly a novelty item, and I agree with you, unless you have a very dedicated home for those, like a hook on the wall or a a little spot with the rest of your plates. We had some for years. I mean, probably almost 10 years. I just got rid of them. And of course, you know, nobody uses them forever. The day I get rid of them, somebody's like, hey man, where's the fractional plates? And I was like, get out, get out. I always tell people just throw another set of collars on there. Yeah, yeah. No, I just don't, you know, like maybe if you have kids, if you're running kids classes, stuff like that, but but get a training bar, you know, like I just don't know that a, a two pound weight jump is really ever in order outside of outside of like a lifting competition but even then you can't go more than 0.5 kilos bang for your buck they're relatively inexpensive but i hear you i agree with that well you know that was really only a jumping off point if you will there's tons of equipment but what we tried to do is touch on the those outliers those things you're not sure of so Maybe whether you're starting a new box and listening, you have a garage gym you train at home, or you're contemplating some new equipment, we gave you some sound advice there from two very experienced affiliate owners. Uh, And then if you're trying to think about how you should buy equipment, create an equipment budget. You know, so um, again, I was at Two Brain Business uh, Summit this past weekend, and John Briggs, who runs Insight Tax, if you need a good accountant, like go look those guys up. He is writing Profit First for Micro Gems. So they oh, Michael McCallowitz wrote Profit First. If you have not read Profit First, I highly recommend it to any box owner. But Michael, uh, but sorry, but John Briggs is writing this one specific where they made some changes. And one of the things they put in that percentage breakdown is equipment. So we've been operating like this for probably almost three years where you can you can slide that percentage around but like there is an allocated percentage every month of dollars that are for maintenance or equipment so just get in the habit if it's 50 bucks a month just start putting 50 bucks a month in an account labeled equipment and that way when you do need that rower that money's there and you don't have to freak out about it like it's just there and and it gets you in the habit of reinvesting but not having to break the bank to do so you know it's like i'm going to take this penny and i'm going to put it over here and then all of a sudden i have 50 cents and i'm like now i can spend that 50 cents yeah and if you're a box owner or any type of small business owner and you've not read profit first you need to read that yeah and you know one other thing my buddy john prescott owns noose river crossfit in um, north carolina and what he does every year january along with everyone's membership they pay 50 dollars and it's, it's an equipment tax. Every member pays it, and it goes directly towards new equipment for the year. I'm curious if he gets a lot of beef for that. According to him, and, and maybe I'll have him on the show, according to him, no. You know, he's the, he's the box owner that Logan Aldridge from Wheelwad and a bunch of yeah. the other guys go to. But it's just work. You know, it's one of those things where 
if your members don't know any different, that's just part of what they do. And, you know, and I think you have to just show it like, hey, notice all this new equipment. You can't you yeah. know, just be pocketing 50 bucks a member. You have to be putting it back towards the new equipment every year. And, and he does. I mean, depending on the size of your gym, like that's a pretty significant buy. Oh, yeah. He gets a few, you know, five plus grand every year by doing that. That's cool. I like that. Cool. I so, might. Yeah, I might try to implement that. There you go. All right. Everybody's learning today. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we hope that helped guys uh we got some great interviews coming up for you and some great projects that fern and i are working on so we're excited to to share those with you in the near future once again fern great chatting with you yep see you bud thanks again for listening to best hour of their day take a moment head over to the apple podcast app or spotify or google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us, and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of Their Day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of best hour of their day.